0: This is the MIBTONLINE.com podcast featuring recordings from our weekly and monthly live streaming meetings. To see the videos discussed in the podcast and be part of the discussion, please consider joining our association at MIBTONLINE.com. Now, here's the show. Tim Keeper, MIBTONLINE.com. Welcome to our Wednesday meeting. Yeah, that's right. We're back every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central. We're here to talk football at mibtonline.com for our members, and we have over 250 of you now, so thank you very much for being a subscriber. You may be with us live right now, or you may see this on, in our arch- archive section on demand. We are thankful for you to be here. We appreciate it. We know that football is in question more and more so by the minute, it seems like, across the country. But there will be football at some point. Some states will start on time or maybe a little bit later, there's going to be football all the way until May. So we're here. We're going to talk football, officiating every Wednesday night it's that way so when it's ready to go, you're ready to go. And uh, that's what we're going to do. So I appreciate everybody being here. Um, we're going to run through the PowerPoint here real quick and before we get to the panel and tell you everything that's going on. I got some, some quick announcements. So tonight we're going to have that crazy kickoff play that we, were, we looked at on the Play of the Week. We'll get to that here in a bit. But, uh, so this is our August 12th meeting, so welcome. Well, we're gonna have some announcements. We always kind of start off with some quick announcements. Uh, we're gonna talk uh, about intentional grounding. Uh, clock clarification is something we discussed on our clinic that we wanna make sure that everybody's on the same page of, on, uh, about. We're gonna have our play of the week from last week, that crazy kickoff play, uh, it was a lot of fun. And then we'll go to the play of the week for this week, and guess what, our new feature we have the call in and the questions so that's going to be a lot of fun just to let everybody know unfortunately our chat is still not working our internal chat but we'll throw up the text number you can text uh... robert is monitoring the text as usual go ahead and text us if you have any questions and we're going to give you that call in number here in a little bit and you'll be able to call in and ask questions as well we'll get you on the air it's going to be a lot of fun you know you can pretend like it's sports talk radio whatever it is so we're looking forward to that Moving on with our announcements. So real quick, podcast, this is available in a podcast version. If you want to listen to it in your car on your way to work, Facebook page. Don't forget. I know I say this every week, but we really, the Facebook page is free. So share this with your officiating friends that aren't members and say, hey, go check this out. Go to the Facebook page. Like it. Same thing about Twitter. That's where we do a lot of stuff. If you've got a Twitter account, you want to go follow that, officially speak, or just share that with your friends and your crewmates. Uh, YouTube, same thing. All that stuff is free. Everything on there is 100% free. It's a way for people to see what we're doing here. I mean, you guys are members, so you already know what we're doing here, which is great. We need to share this. We need everybody to be here and listen to what we're doing, so that way we're all on the same page. We all can be better together. So that's a great thing. So uh, before we get to the intentional grounding thing, we're going to bring the, we're going to go around the panel and uh, we're going to bring everybody in, and we're going to start with with uh, Stan Brown. Stan is from uh, Alabama, as everybody knows, and Stan is probably one of the few guys here that is actually going to be working football here in a a week or two. So uh, let's see. We're going to bring Stan in now. Stan, how are you doing today? You're going to work football here probably in a week, huh?
1: Stan is muted. Oh, there you go. There's scrimmages tomorrow night, Friday night and season starts next Friday night.
0: There you go, so Stan's working. We're gonna bring in uh, Mike Billica. Mike, thank you uh, for being here. Mike is uh, from the East Coast, Connecticut area, whatnot. Mike, you just found out today that you're going to the spring too, correct?
2: That's right, kickoff could be the first week of February at this point. Trying to oh. squeeze it in between the basketball season and the baseball season.
0: Oh, in the Northeast, those nor'easters, that, that, that's gonna be fun, let me Fair. tell you. <laughs> We got our uh, Bill Amon, Bill Amonye is with us. Bill, you know, he's an ESPN analyst, as we know. Bill's with us every week. We appreciate Bill for being here. And Bill's going to be kind of bored this spring as well because unless, you know, he has to bump his SEC uh, partner out there, because that seems like they're going to be the only ones playing, Bill. I don't know. The Big 12 is still talking like they're going to move forward.
3: You know, the ACC is still hanging around. So, um, you know, we've got three that may play in the fall. Others that play in the spring. So. I may actually get a uh,
0: contract extension. You never know. Sure. Hey, you never know. And we've got Robert Yabar over here to my left. He's uh, monitoring the chat, and he's going to, you know, make sure that uh, he's monitoring the uh, – the, wait, he's monitoring – wait, where – where – Alex, where's Robert? Where is he
4: at? Oh, there he
0: is. Robert's not – I was looking for you in your spot. You're not in your spot,
4: Robert. Where are you at? I'm virtual just like everyone else. I'm uh, tuning in from Carbondale, Illinois. I was fortunate to check in my son at Southern Illinois, known as the Harvard of the Midwest, but I'm happy to join you tonight to talk some football.
3: Yeah, Lukey.
0: <laughs> so Saluki's in the valley, the Missouri Valley. They're, <laughs> play, they're playing in the spring too. So anyways, we welcome the panel in, we welcome you in, and we're going to get right to our football tonight because we're going to not try to keep you as long as normal, but who knows? Who knows with, this, with our new format, we're going to have to see how, how we uh, end up being here, So, or how long, I should say. So back to our, our intentional grounding, okay? So this is a clarification, and I'll bring Robert in here in a minute because Robert talked about this on our clinic. So it was mentioned that uh, intentional grounding is there's about stopping the clock, okay? So if you have intentional grounding, which is an illegal forward pass, and what happens with the clock after that. So if you go to 3-4-4-F in the rule book, basically it says the clock stops on a legal or illegal forward pass and then restarts on the snap. Well, an intentional grounding is an illegal forward pass so that should start on the the snap. It's just an incomplete pass even though there's a penalty associated with it. However, there's a rule right after this 3-4-6 that says If a team attempts attempts to conserve time illegally, the clock will start on the ready. So where this comes into play is if you have that intentional grounding in a a point in the game where you believe, as a referee, that they were attempting to illegally stop the clock by the intentional grounding, which is a foul. And there's there's a casebook play on this as well. It is now started on the ready and not on the snap because even though it was an incomplete illegal forward pass, this falls rule 3-4-6 trumps 3-4-F, 3-4-4-F, so that takes precedent over the illegal forward pass, incomplete forward pass, stopping the clock when it's done to conserve time. So there is some judgment there by the referee if they believe that it was done to conserve time. But there is a casebook play on this, so it is supported by casebook play. And I want to thank Dave Bender. Dave is one of our members. He's been with us for a long time. Dave pointed this out, and I told him we'd get to it last week. I forgot, so that's why I'm coming around to it this week. For that clarification, if you're late in the game, you've got that illegal or intentional grounding, and you think it was part of stopping the clock, Uh, Perhaps that judgment will get you to the point where you're going to start that on the ready. Robert, you know, we talked about this and I know we I think we had a little back and forth about it. And I was adamant that an illegal forward pass, an incomplete illegal forward pass is, you know, we're stopping the clock and going on the snap. And that is true. Absolutely. 100 percent, except if we get into this little are they conserving time with it. And so, I mean, you had a chance to look at this. and, And what do you think?
4: yes you know this is this is a very important topic to understand in relative to the rule relative to the rule 3-4-4f if it's a, a legal forward pass or an illegal forward pass the uh the next play the uh clock will start on the snap now like tim just mentioned if it's an intentional intentional uh illegal forward pass to uh conserve time that is then determined by the referee and this is how we need to handle that now you have to understand quarterbacks if they're in a shotgun formation receiving a snap and they want to intentionally stop uh throw a pass immediately to the ground to stop the clock they may intentionally want to catch it and they may intentionally want to immediately throw it to the ground but they may actually bobble it and therefore it's not immediate and therefore they still throw it to the ground and by rule that is an illegal forward pass to conserve time. We still penalize the team for the loss of yardage at the spot foul, and it is still the loss of down. Now, referees and crews, be mindful of this situation. That quarterback was attempting to conserve time legally, but by the fact of him bobbling the ball was not enabling him to immediately throw it to the ground. So now it's deemed an illegal forward pass. So we will start the clock on the ready, but let's let everyone understand that Before we blow the ready and what I mean by that is you're going to go up to that quarterback and say we have a illegal forward pass five yard penalty loss a down and I'm going to start. This the clock on the ready for play on my whistle. Do you understand and you give that quarterback clear understanding of what you mean. So when he's there getting ready to take that next snap as soon as you blow the or the whistle ready for play and Tim you can add to that, but that's what I really want us to understand because. Uh, us officials, we have that ability to communicate very effectively in this type of game situation.
0: Robert, no, that's a great point. If you find yourself in this situation, and it's unfortunate, but by casebook and by rule interpretation, you know, I've talked to a bunch of people from the, you know, on the Federation board and whatnot on this specific interpretation. Yeah, you, if it's done to conserve time, like you mentioned, we've got to go on the ready. But exactly what Robert said, everyone. Go up to, you want everybody in the world to know. You want the coaches to know. You want the players to know. After we walk off this penalty and go through our penalty enforcement, when that ball is ready, we're rolling the clock, and everybody needs to know that. And not that you want to give a team an unfair advantage, but you just want to communicate and let that offensive player know. Just like Robert said, boom, we're going. And guess what? That's just the way it is. So uh, I just, like I said, it was a great, I want to thank Dave Bender again for pointing it out. Um, you know, uh, Kevin Hatfield, who is a head guy, head rules guy in Oregon, also, we, he also mentioned it to us, so thank him for, for talking about this because we want to make sure we get that right. So, all right, we're going to move on to our play of the week results. Okay, so here are the play of the week results. The question was, how many potential illegal blocks in the play? And I'm gonna, before I go back to the play, I'm just going to show the results. We're going to go to the play, trust me. So less than three was 26 percent, four was 48 percent, and more than five was 26 percent. So here are some of the comments that came in from from YouTube. Uh, Chris Head said he he commented five or more. Tristan uh, Roush two uh, definite holds, two potential blocks in the back. Uh, Chris, I found at least four legal blocks. These are some comments from Twitter. Uh, we've got Arthur saying four, John saying, I count four legal blocks on the kickoff. Andrew saying on this play, I lost count after four. Um, so there are some, that, that's some of the input from, from the, uh, the crowd. And I said, we're going we're gonna to have some swag. So uh, for this week, the random person is Arthur. Arthur Stewart, you're going to get uh, a 2019 Bill Emanuel Best Practice DVD and a t-shirt. So I'll be reaching out to you to get your address, make sure we have it right so we can ship that. Arthur's the winner this week of a MIBT Media t-shirt and a 2019 copy of Bill Amani's Best Practices of Football or uh, High School Football Officiating. And it's coming your way, so thank you for everybody for participating and giving us our, your, your feedback because that's what we're looking for. We're going to have giveaways every week, so you want to be sure to comment and uh, that way you'll have a chance to To get some of our free swag and we're continuing to to build on our swag so let's uh let's go to the video now though we're gonna we're gonna go to the video and let's pull this sucker up here we're gonna have some fun with this we're gonna spend we're gonna spend some time on this one all right all right wrong one i want this version all right here's the version i want so let's go wide let's go wide on this and we're going to start things out by just talking kickoff okay so we're lined up in a kickoff formation so as an official on you know this game has seven most of the time we're only gonna have five so we're going to eliminate this official right here just for our discussion and this official right here we're gonna eliminate those two officials because most of the time like I said you're gonna have five now Matt some, some when he was out of our clinic He talked about different kickoff mechanics, and I realize everybody has different kickoff mechanics, but right now we're just going to kind of talk a little bit about federation kickoff mechanics, and we can adjust uh, based off of if you have seven, six, if you put four in the box, however you do this, we can adjust it accordingly, but we're going to just kind of talk about coverages right now. So starting out with the back judge, and I'm going to go to Robert on this one. Robert, when you are starting on a kickoff, what are you going, you hand the ball to to the, the kicker, and you're looking at the kicking team because that's your responsibility, that's your line. What, walk me through your process. What do you do? What are you looking for? How are you communicating?
4: Yeah, my best practice, these, as the 17-year-old kicker, I walk up to him before I hand him the ball, I ask if he's going to kick deep or if he has something funky going on. And they tell me, I would say 99.999% of the time, they tell me if it's going to be a pooch, if it's a, a, a squib kick to the left, squib kick to the right. Gives me great insight because then I can communicate to my crew and what I do is I always have my blue bag out and ready and uh, they know when I raise my crew knows when I raise my blue bag up. uh, Towards them that uh, something funky other than a deep kick is coming. That's how I communicate them uh, non verbally, but my my uh, mechanics. I always put my foot. If if it's a deep kick. I'll I'll put my uh, Down foot on the free kick line so that a player would have to clear my face before I would have to throw my flag for encroachment. Uh, if it's a funky call or a kick, whether it be a pooch or onside, then I would put my inside foot on the free kick line and therefore it's a plane of glass. So as soon as that plane of glass is broken, I'm throwing my flag up and uh, b- Based on my determination and judgment it's tighter on a funky kick versus a deep kick, but that's what's going through my mind also I'll uh, keep my focus to ensure who the kicker is identified as because that's uh, an important reminder to myself. I got number 12 as my free kicker. He's five yards back. He's the only one that can kick the ball. And therefore, I know who he is. I repeat it in my brain. And then I watch him approach the ball to make sure that ball goes off the tee or if that ball hits the ground because that's my responsibility. But primarily, those are my uh, pre-kick mechanics that I go through my mind. Well,
0: and that, that's good, so we're going to go back through that, and, and we'll go to the play. So Robert talked about what, you know, looking for what he's looking for, and here, here's that kicker that he was mentioning. Where, you know That kicker is back there, so that way he knows number is the kicker, because if this guy ends up kicking the ball or this guy ends up kicking the ball, we know that that's illegal. We can't, we can't do that, okay? But the other thing that we have to look for as, as a back judge, we have to count to make sure that we've got the right number of players on each side of the ball. So we count one, two, three, four. That's the, the, the minimum that they have to have on one side of the ball. On the other side is six. One, two, three, four, five, six. So as a back judge whoever or whoever has that line in your mechanics needs to make sure that you've got that number either five and five or six and four and you also have to watch you know we did it. we had a play uh, a couple years ago on the best practices video we showed a guy swinging behind somebody and then it created three on the side instead of four so if all of a sudden the kicker runs up here and then this guy swings around to the other side now when the ball is kicked there's only three over here and that is a foul as well so you have to be aware of that based off of you know they put that rule in a couple years ago. So I'm going to go uh, back to you, Robert. Robert, let's say you, know, you saw three instead of four. How are you going to handle that but, you know, before we, we kick the ball off?
4: Yeah, it, it, de- it depends on the kicking team primarily. If they break before I'm able to hand the ball to the kicker, then that's an easy count. And not only am I counting the 11, but I'm counting to ensure that I have at least four on either side of the kicker. Sometimes teams don't break. From their uh, huddle, they tend to gather inside the five yard mark and uh, choose to break after I hand the kicker the ball for some reason. Now, in, those ca- in that case, I have to make a visual, but in, at least in the IHSA mechanics, I don't know how it is primarily through other states, but the referee has the, has the responsibility to ensure that there's four players on either side of the kicker. The back judge is redundancy on that element of uh, the determination.
0: Even though it's the referee, I don't agree with that because referee's way back. He can't do anything about it. He's just going to throw his flag. I personally, if I, you know, going back to the play, if I saw a three here, and I understand if it's a muddle huddle, you can't, you can't do anything about it, and they just run, it is what it is. It is going to be the referee's call. But if I come out and all of a sudden they've got three, if I'm the back judge up here, uh, guess what? Something's wrong with the ball. I'm walking in, and this is my own personal philosophy. Something's wrong with the ball. I'm going to go check that ball because I thought I think I saw something. I'm going to go come in and, and grab that ball, and this is before it's ready for play. By the way, after it's ready for play, they move around. Where you're, you're kind of you're kind of uh, stuck. But if it's before the ball's ready for play, and I see that they've broke and done something different, I will probably go and check the ball and say something because I still have an opportunity to do some preventative officiating. But ultimately, it's up to the kicking team to know the rules, and hopefully, you've communicated that you know, prior to the game or, or on the first kickoff so they get it right. So, now we know what, what we're looking for as a, as a back judge or in this. Now, if you go over to this official, the line judge, down here at the bottom, you know, right here, what is, you know, whether it's him or whether it's in an, if you, if you put two people up there, whether it's this official, it really doesn't matter because we have to understand that this 50 yard line, that's our free kick restraining line and we have to make sure that nobody is over that until the ball is kicked. So they have to understand that as well. Now, let me ask Mike. Mike, uh, you've you've got these players up here on that free kick line, the receiving team. How many players do they have to have up on that line?
2: There is no restrictions at all for the receiving team's formation as long as they're on the field and they're behind their line. They could be in any formation
0: whatsoever. That's important to note. They can bring all 11 guys up there if they want, or one guy. It doesn't matter, uh, but I wanted to point that out. As long as nobody is, is uh, encroaching on that line, we'll go back to the play, as long as nobody's encroaching on this line right here, we're good and that we're behind that. And, and like I said, this is a responsibility to make, of, of the officials on that line to make sure that they don't go forward prior to the ball being kicked. They also need to make sure that the ball goes 10 yards. They're going to be primary on that as well if there was an onside kick they need to know if the ball traveled ten yards before we can have contact by the kicking team or can the, you know are they, is the kicking team eligible to touch the ball before they can they can block so we need to keep that in mind as well alright so we're going to run this through now and you know to robert's point we're going to go up to this official right here and you can see where he's at he's not necessarily straddling the line like robert mentioned I I think I'm with Robert. That's when I work this position. I like to put one foot there and one foot there. That kind of moved on me, but um, where you're straddling that line, so when you have a a situation like this where you're going to see on this kickoff right about there, the ball's being kicked right now, and this guy looks like he's a tad encroaching. Now, ultimately, is he gaining anything from this because it's a deep kick? No. I don't think we should call that. And if I'm straddling that line instead or you know, putting one foot on, the, on the, the big line and the other foot on like the would be the uh, 41, then this, he's not going to cross my face and I'm going to let this go. They did let this go. And I'm not saying this should be called, but you need to be aware of it because you know, tactically that could be an encroachment, but it's an encroachment. I don't think we want to call just purely from a philosophy standpoint. So, all right, we'll go back wide on the play. And now we've got, we've got the kickoff. And now here comes, here's the fun, all right? Here's the fun of this. So, you know, uh, Matt Sumstein talked a lot about kickoffs on, on our on our clinic the other day. And, you know, he mentioned that, you know, what, he called them different zones and he had different terminology. But ultimately, right now, there's not a lot going on. It's just a bunch of people running. But as officials, we have to understand what our responsibilities are. So. Based off of you know the federation mechanics, or there are such, there's your back judge, here's your line judge, and your headlinesman is probably somewhere down here, and then you know our umpire is over here, and our referee's over here for that w, that, that standard w that is in the, the federation book. Now, like I said, some states don't do it that way, but ultimately, we have to understand exactly where we 're looking and who's got what in coverages. Before, right now while everybody's still apart because when people start getting together, we're going to have to have people watching things. So going back to this, now you'll see we got our first potential illegal block and it's right up here. It's up here at the top. It's right up here. I want you to focus in on that area and you're going to see what we, what we have here and it looks like it's a little bit of contact, a little bit of a hole, but nothing. He goes right by him, okay? So that's nothing, but somebody has to see that contact. Somebody has to be be judging whether or not that contact is significant. So who's gonna probably see that right about there? I'm guessing that our back judge up here probably will pick that up, because our headlinesman who's here, or if it's this official down here, they're probably not going to see that. But they definitely could help because what we, won't, what we don't want them to do is officiate air. We don't want them just to watch these guys catch the ball. That's not necessary. So our H might be able to pick this up. Our back judge might be able to pick this up. Just to get an eyes on this, to see. So this block is not illegal. But I wanted to point it out because you see that the, the ball is right here. The ball is still in the air. So this contact occurs prior to the receiver catching the ball. I'm going to go to Bill on this one. Bill, let's just hypothetically say that block was like a block below the waist or something or it was a, you know, the guy just tackle them in front of everybody. You've got that foul. What does our penalty enforcement look like now on this play if that's a foul?
3: Well, if we've got possession of the football and it's on the return, then you're going to have either the uh, end of the run or the spot of the foul, whichever hurts them more, worse. If the kick's still in the air, now you don't have possession of the ball, so we have a previous spot foul. So we'd um, go back and um, re-kick with the with
0: the penalty then. No, that's important. That's an important piece to this. Because if you would go back to the play, like you said, if the ball is still in the air and we deem, like I said, this contact is not illegal, but we're going to just call it illegal for our discussion purposes, that ball is still in the air. We now have a, a foul that has occurred prior to change of possession. So based off of this, this is a loose ball play in high school. Loose ball plays are enforced from the previous spot. There's no post scrimmage kick. This is not a scrimmage kick. This is a free kick. We do not enforce this foul from the end of the kick. The enforcement option here is to go back to the previous spot which is re-kick. You know, we'll have to re-kick this one. And whether it was a 10-yard penalty or a 15-yard penalty, it doesn't matter. We've got to go back because we have not had a change of possession. This is not a running play now. This is still a free kick, loose ball play. And I want to point out, it doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. And we need to know how to enforce that type of a foul correctly. So that it's important to the, the distinction there. And Stan, you know, being a referee, you might be able to offer some input on that because you might be able to see that where the flag came. That's probably a question, if you have a flag like on this, and let's say it's the only flag, that's probably the question you're going to ask the covering official is going to need to know if that ball, if the kick had ended yet or not.
1: Uh, definitely. Uh, the very first question I would ask the uh, reporting official is, when did the foul occur? Was it prior to uh, the return? Uh, that sort of thing. And so we could then set the stage for what the proper enforcement is.
0: Right. And like I said, it doesn't happen very often, but we need we need to n- know that. And uh, Mike, Mike Billica, you know, this is one of those weird, you know, it's not weird. It's, it's actually the, just the type of play it is. It's just a loose ball play. Mm-hmm. But have you ever yeah. seen this? Have, have, have you ever seen that happen?
2: Yeah, I had a block below the waist during the kick before. And it was just right, the one of the front line guys just took somebody out low and it was during the kick. And we had to get together, I think it was a five official uh, conference because it was a long return as well. And we had to put the order of everything. And we ended up having
0: to put it back and re-kick yeah, that's a tough one to explain, it's, and it's a lot of times I think our brains go to uh, PSK because we're just thinking, oh, this is easy, but it, but this is not a scrimmage kick. It's a free kick, so that's, uh, that's pretty, uh, pretty interesting how, how we, uh, we can sometimes mess it up. That's why I wanted to point it out because it's, it's important, but once again, we'll go back to the play. This is not an illegal block. This was not one of them, but I wanted to point this out so we have eyes on it, and we, if it was an illegal block, we can enforce it properly. So... We'll go back wide on the play here. So now we're gonna look for our potential illegal blocks. So our first one I'd like to focus on is up here. It's uh, up here at the top of the screen. I wanna focus in on that, that block. So here we go. So you see that, I don't know if you saw it or not. It was a quickie. It was, we'll go back to it. You'll see it looks like kind of a hook, maybe a grab and a tug possibly right there. We'll play it one more time and then we'll talk about it. Here it is, so you know where you're focusing now. So it's a little bit of a, a tug. You saw a jersey pull there. There was a jersey pull. So my question to everybody would or what I would want to examine first is who's gonna see that. Once again I'm not saying that we're gonna call this or not, but we'll we'll ask everybody what they think. But right now, you know you've got this official right here which this would be your H in a five-person game, or whoever, even in a seven, somebody's got to catch that block. Now they may have moved over here to point of attack, so then hopefully somebody over here can catch it because that is a, that's that's something that needs to be uh, considered. Is it, uh, is it enough to call? Is it enough of a jersey pull? Is it going to you know, slow that runner, or I'm sorry, th- 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 ah, slow that kicking player down? to the point where they're not going to be able to tackle it, or was he out of the play? These are all questions we have to ask because it's not that much of a jersey tug, but you can see the jersey tug on the film. So let's run on a panel real quick because that's potential illegal block number one. I'll start out with Bill on this one. Bill, you saw a little jersey tug there. It's kind of backside. You know, if you were the referee in that position looking and you saw it come, would, would that be enough for you?
3: No, sir, it would not be enough for me. Um, that's not where I wanna draw the line in the sand and say that anything like that or worse is gonna be a foul tonight. So uh, I'm not even sure to be a talk to, but no, I don't have a
0: foul on that. Okay, and I'm, I'll jump to Robert real quick. Robert, you're the back, Judge. You're looking at this from over the top, let's say. Um, do you And you see that jersey pull. Real quick, like it was, is that enough for you?
4: I follow Bill's philosophy on that. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, i definitely going after the safety fouls, and uh, and I don't see a situation where I have a safety foul where I have to go and get it. Uh, I want to make it be there, just like uh, this association's named after.
0: All right. Well, there you go. So you want so that I mean that's one of those things where that, that's important because we want it to be big. I personally would not have a foul on this, but somebody has to see it because that's the most important thing we have to see engagements and that's part of this presentation tonight is breaking down the kickoff mechanics to see those engagements so now let's go to uh, let's go back to the let's go back to the uh to the the video like i said there was a lot on this play we're going to go wide on this one so now i want to concentrate on this player right here let's look at this player and see what he does we're going to run this out And now he takes a guy to the ground. It spins the guy to the ground there. So we'll show it one more time. Number 29, we'll show him again. Watch it, and he rides him to the ground. So first question, I'm going to go to Mike Billick on this. Mike, first question for you, who do you think is going to see this? I mean, it's kind of out on the second level, maybe. Who do you think is going to to see this contact?
2: I, I mean, a lot of people will probably say the back judge, but I honestly think the line judge should see this one because um, he's going to pick up that front, those front line guys and he's going to notice the guy going the opposite way. He's not running back like everybody else is. He's coming forward. And uh, I'd key on that guy, and I'd probably watch that guy as I, as I move down the field. I'd probably see it. I hope the back judge would see it too, but I, I really think line judge is probably primary.
0: So we'll go back, go back to the play and we'll, we'll walk through that. I, I don't disagree with you because if in our mechanics, our L should be right here and our umpire, now it could be, you might put different people, it doesn't matter, different letters, but you have an official here and you have an official here and our umpire should be looking at point of attack stuff and our line judge should be looking over here. So yeah, that would be, I would agree, I think our line judge should, should pick this up. now. I'm going to go to the second part of my question, Mike. You see contact like that out in the open. Do you have this as a foul, Mike? Get
2: yeah, it? it's it's out in the open. Grandma can see it from the top row. you got to get a flag on this one. Absolutely.
0: Okay. Bill, I'm going to jump back to you on this one. Bill, you see this contact now. Now, you probably wouldn't see it from the referee, but let's say you're back in your days of working the back judge or... On the line, and you on a kickoff, you see contact like this. Which way are you going?
3: Well, that's one.
0: That's an easy one to draw the line in the sand on. We have a foul for a hole. <laughs> okay, easy enough. So, the, so there. So right now we're on number two potential illegal blocks. The first one we said no way. The second one we're saying we're going to get. Guess what? We keep going. This is we're going to go back to the play now. We got number ninety. Here we're going to look at number ninety now and let's see what number 90 does. So we'll focus in on him, and we'll see what he does. So there's a block there. All right, so let's go back. You saw that block. Now, this block, you, you can see it's, it's potentially a, a blindside block. Is this player focused somewhere else? Is he looking over here? Can he see number 90's approach? That's a question for you. So we have the potential for the blindside block. This is one of those where our umpire or whoever's manning this position has got to focus on this because this is a point of attack block I'm putting this on that official for sure to kind of catch this whatever it might be at least see it and rule on it and the referee might be able to help out too because our referee is over here and what's he looking at he's probably going to point of attack maybe he's checking this out but I think he might that's more of a backside block now so maybe we can get some help there but now we've got this contact. So here it is. There's the contact. So I'm going to go to Stan on this one. Stan, you see contact like that, do you have this as an illegal blindside block or maybe a block in the back?
4: Uh,
1: Neither. Uh, I believe it is a legal uh, block because by definition the uh, blocker had used open palms and pushed. Now, Optics look like it may I could easily see that someone potentially would throw a flag on this and we would maybe need to have a discussion to make sure because he did knock the player to the ground. Uh, so there is some force involved there, but but from the angle of the, of the video that I see I've got to push with open palms at the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're playing keep it going.
0: All right, play, play, play ball. Robert Yabara, you see this block from the back judge or you're working the wing today, and you see this block. Robert, what do you have?
4: I'm not one. I love my flags. I, I, I really love my flags. I'm going to throw my flag here. Now, if I have a crewmate who throws the flag down, I'm going to come in with information. I'm not necessarily going to tell the crewmate to pick it up, but I, my, my yellow's not down on this. All
0: right, so one thing about that I want to point out, we'll go wide on it again. And there's a philosophy out there that if a player is in, ch- so well, let me first, let me first go back and explain. I agree that we have open hands here. We see an open hand and by our rule and, and, and interpretation, when you have arm extension like that from the, from the blind side, it is not in a legal blind side block. So that's, imp- that's an important distinction. You see the open hands. But what I do want to point out, we'll go, we'll go wide on this, and I just, I'm gonna, I'll ask Bill about what he thinks about this, is that you, you see number 90, he's got a hand, it looks like, in the front, but he also maybe has a hand right here in the back. And there's a philosophy sometimes out there that if a, a player is in chase mode, meaning he's chasing the play, that any contact in the back is going to be a block illegal block in the back. If he's, um, if he's uh, directly behind that, cause he's, well, I should say he's chasing it. If he's coming from a different angle, then we're going to, we want to see it to be completely square in the back. If he's coming from a different angle now, he is kind of coming from the side, but he is kind of chasing a little bit. So Bill, I, I mean, have, have you ever been one to buy into that philosophy? Of, like if you're in chase mode, you got if you get any part of the back, we're going to call it an illegal block in the back well chase
3: chase mode you've got the uh, our antennas go up obviously that's a that's a clue uh, keep an eye on this guy he's got a brick in his hand uh, what I would tell you is is that what I look for is when the push is made if I believe that hand in the back had was the deciding factor in the block then I could have a block in the back but if I think that the uh, we're fifty-fifty, or or the it's the side, uh, the hand on the side that has the majority of the force and effort. Uh, I don't have anything. All right. And on this particular play,
0: I don't have anything. All right. And that's a great point because going to your what you're explaining is that when that guy pushes, he's not pushing him this way. He's pushing him sideways. So that hand in the back obviously wasn't the main force. We, if if I'm yeah. So, yeah, so there you go. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right, so that's a good distinction to know. So, so uh, we know on this one, so we, we're, on, we're on block number three. So, we've got a legal block and a legal block. Or we have one legal, one illegal, and now the second one that we're saying is legal. So, number 90 isn't done, though. So, let's go back wide on the play. So, now he's got this block. Good job. Number nine, he keeps playing. So, we're not, we've already decided on this block what we're going to do. So now we're gonna keep we're gonna keep uh this uh play running. I'll keep watching number 90. Here he goes again. So now we're looking at this action right here and see what number 90 does there. Alright, so there's uh who's gonna probably see this? I'm looking at the referee. Maybe he's gonna see this contact, or maybe if we got an umpire or whoever, maybe he he's gonna see that contact because. That's a point. Well, it's, it's kind of point of attack. He's kind of past them, but it's, pre- it's still pretty close to, to that point of attack block. So uh, here's number 90 again. Let's watch that play. If it plays, here we go. Now it plays. Boom. So I'm gonna go to uh, I'm gonna go to Stan on this one now. Stan, you're the referee. You're standing where that referee is, and you see this contact. Is this contact illegal?
1: Yes, that's a hold. That's a takedown. I've got to make sure I get that. And I have to not watch the ball carrier uh, strictly. I need to widen my focus to make sure that I I see that, and I've got to get that. Uh, Of interest, I think when I watched more of the video, did I see a a flag being thrown by the uh, headlinesman running up the sideline? And I wonder if this is the foul. I wonder if he saw this foul.
0: Actually, there is a flag, but it's not. About to have, I'll, we're going to get to the flag, and it's okay. kind of right. there's so many there's so many things that have happened on this play that it really it's really we'll see where the flag ends up coming coming in here in a moment.
4: Okay. But I'm going
0: to I'm going to run I'm going right. to throw this one back to Bill as well. Bill, you're the referee. You've seen this type of a play before. You've got that contact. Are you going holding this?
3: Yeah, that, this is a foul. Flag should be down. Referee, as
0: the uh, primary caller. All right, cool. So now that we've uh we've established that, let's uh let's keep moving here. So now we've got another potential block up here. So I want you to focus in on this player right here on what they're going to do. And here it comes. We've got this block right there. And you see that uh it's not a blindside block obviously, but We've got contact, there it is again, I kind of jumped on me, let me go back to it so you can see the whole thing. So here it is, you see that contact, boom. All right, so Robert, you're the official covering this one and you see that contact, what do, you, do, you, do you have this as legal or illegal contact?
4: Based on my judgment, uh, did the opponent, the victim have an opportunity to see the block coming? And the answer is yes was the contact by the uh, blocker legal he's got a the the blocker has to have a strike zone below the head and neck area did that happen because he definitely dipped the shoulder and based on my judgment he dipped it into the chest uh so did he did the uh, victim see the block coming yes Uh, was the uh, block by the blocker below the head and neck area yes was it a dip of the shoulder yes but do i have a foul no i don't have a foul
0: all right, so I'm going to go to Mike Billick on this one, Mike. I don't. Know, I can yeah. run the play again if you want to see it. Do you? Do you have anything on this play?
2: No, I, I watched it on the YouTube. I slowed it way down. I, I don't see enough here. The, the guy doesn't really even get, you know, hit that hard. I, honestly, you, the only thing you might want to say to the guy is just keep that initial contact a little lower. If you talk to him, but uh, at the most, this is a talk to you. This is not a foul in my opinion.
0: All right, let's see Let's see if I can get this to stop right where I want it to stop. Sometimes this thing is is goofy. All right, you saw that? There's a contact again. I'm going to try to get it to stop. I should have gotten a still on it. Let me see if I can't get back there. All right, there's a contact right there. All right, so you can see it. Now, I'm going to just read this to, to people because I think sometimes we get things a, a, a little, um, we kind of get that code creep and stuff. So I'm going to read this right out of the rule book, targeting. This is the definition of high school targeting. It's an act by any player who takes his arm and initiates contact against an opponent above the shoulder, or I'm sorry, who takes aim, I'm sorry, Uh, by any player who takes aim and initiates contact against an opponent above the shoulder with helmet, forearm, hand, fist, elbow, or shoulder so we go back to this that's the definition of targeting in high school I know it's kind of a it's different than in college and all that stuff but go back to the play and you have to ask yourself the question was he initiating contact here with his forearm or elbow to the helmet area above the shoulder I'm gonna play it again in real time and you can kind of see if it plays here boom you know you see his head snap back so I'm not saying that this maybe or you know should be called or not, but if he hits him with the forearm and his head snaps back, Robert isn't that targeting by high school rule?
4: Yeah, uh, the original question to me was based on what what I rule, and my judgment was that he did not contact him in the head and neck area that was that was my judgment, so I, I'm not going to throw a flag now, if he does uh, raise his arm and he does hit. Uh, you know the chin or in the head and neck area and and i didn 't deem and witness that, how do I throw my flag how do i mean i'm not gonna i 'm not going call something that i didn't see now. I may have missed it, and I understand the the ruling of erring on player' safety, but if my judgment and my sidelines sees him dip his shoulder below the head and neck area, why would I throw my flag
0: right you and that 's what...
4: Unless I saw, it. Unless if I that's saw what
0: you, it. If that's what you have, but if you've got a forearm going up into the, in the chin area, but you said that you don't have – obviously you're not going to just throw because you exactly. see something happen. You're going to have to see the foul and, and call it that way, and you're saying you don't, you don't see it. I don't, I don't know what – I mean, we don't have the best angle here, so I don't know what the film if – if he did make that contact, because sometimes that head will snap back even if they're hit below the chin. Yeah. But, I mean, I, it, it does kind of look like the arm – Goes up. I'm going to ask Mike, Mike, you, you, oh, Robert, we'll come back to you. We'll come back to you, Robert.
4: We're going to go to Mike.
0: Mike, (laughs) you you see the chin, you see that, you see that forearm go up into the chin area potentially. I mean, what are you going to do?
2: I mean, we don't have replay at the high school level, so obviously, you really have to get a good look at the contact. You've got to see the foul. And it's like we said before, we have to make it be big. And I just don't see bona fide for sure. I'm certain that contact was high. Um, I definitely don't think it was dangerous. It didn't jump out to me as a launch. Um, you know, I really need to see that contact to definitely be above the shoulders, and I, I didn't. So um, even when I slowed it down, I know what you're saying. I think sometimes when you hit somebody in the chest, in the upper chest, your head does snap back, um, a la car accident or something like that. So um, I, I, didn't, I didn't see contact either.
0: Okay, so Robert, I'm gonna go back to you. Robert, you wanted to finish up?
4: Yes, uh, I, I do. I have two points. Point number one is this. Us officials, when we witness contact like that in a game, a free kick play, and we make a mental no, we'll mark it down, at least I will, mark it down, okay, uh, second quarter, three twelve on the clock, uh, potential targeting. I, you know, I know I didn't throw on it, and I'm gonna go to the huddle that night before I go to bed, uh, because I want to revisit what I saw on the field live. Uh, that's point number one. We, we only can call what we uh, see. That's number two, relative to the safety element behind it, again, don't let your eyes fool you. And just because you know, we have a contact sport where a player goes down to the ground on a block is a foul, right? Uh, players do go down to the ground on blocks. It happens. So to that point, I'm 100% with player safety. But again, based on my experience in officiating, when I see a hit like this and I don't see the, the hit in the head or neck area, uh, then I'm not calling a foul. I mean, that's just, a, you got to love your flag. And, uh, and uh, John O'Neill always said that, that's something I've always taken away from the COA. And, and, and I even have it written on my flag, love my flag.
0: <laughs> nice. Right, I mean, that's, that, there you go, love your flag. Now, I want to go back to the play real quick because Ultimately, I don't care what you, what you do on this. I'm just pointing this out because if you've got that contact and you see that contact you know, with the forearm up to the head area and the head steps back, by a high school rule, that's technically a target. So know that. Just know the rule and understand that if you're going to pass on that, you're passing on it for the right reason. You're not passing on it because that's not targeting if you do see that contact up high with the forearm because everybody thinks helmet to helmet. launch. You know, that type of stuff. That, remember, the high school rule is a little bit different in regards to targeting. So, But the other thing is it's important that somebody gets eyes on this. I don't care what we go with it. But, like, you've got – since this has got seven, they've got an official right here. Somebody's got to get eyes on this, and somebody's got to be able to determine that this is not an illegal block that, or, or targeting or whatever, but that we've, we're good here. So here's the other thing now that happens on this play. You've got – I'm going to run it – one more time up here we're gonna run it all the way through and then I told everybody this play would take the whole hour to talk about because there was just so much going on there's there's some action up here that is off the screen that you don't see but I think this action is the one is the action there it is a guy comes flying in right there I think that's the action that actually drew a flag because here comes the flag you'll see it right there there's the flag so the action that we actually, that we don't see clearly on the film is the action that drew a flag. Now there might be another flag here that could have been for something else and Stan I think mentioned that. So but it's just funny how there there was so much going on in this play and you know it ends up being a touchdown and you even at the end here you got a potential you know block that ends up being nothing and they run on by. And so so there you go. So my last thing on on this and and I'll give everybody a real quick chance to run through and give their last thoughts on it before, before we move on. Um, and then we'll, we'll open up the phone lines, and I'll, see if Robert, I'll, I'll end with Robert to see if there's any comments from the, from the text. I don't think we ever put the text number up, but uh, why don't we throw the text number up now in case somebody wants to text. But we're going to open up the phone lines here in a couple minutes, too. So if you just want to call in and talk about this, we're, uh, you can text now, but we'll, we'll give you the phone line to call in here in just a moment. Um, I'm going to start with uh, Stan. Stan, you see a play like this. This is one of those train wreck plays that you just better, you know, we have numerous files. some yes, some no, but you got to be on your toes.
1: Oh, definitely. And with uh, with what we're seeing here right towards the, the end of the video, um, you can't take any of it off because things can happen all over the field. And that's why it's so important that we've got guys that are, not focused on the the primary runner or right around that primary runner. They've got to be able to see uh, all the other mess that can occur, especially on these free kick situations and and things like that. So um, this play has got to be seen throughout until it's totally finished.
0: All right. So, Mike, what's your last little take on this?
1: Um, be be really
2: careful with your initial mechanics as a, as a wing that's up on the receiving line. Just because, especially in five man, you really have to help on the long return. So uh, you, it's easy to get caught when you have a foul, staring at it and getting frozen in place while you throw your flag. Um, but you also have to officiate the play all the way to the opposite goal line, and uh, and that's where I think sometimes officials get caught where we don't have goal line coverage because we had a foul earlier on in the play. So uh, just make sure you're, you're, you don't travel too far downfield on the initial kick down the field. Officiate from behind so that you can actually cover all that ground and not get caught you know, chasing.
0: Perfect. Bill, you see, a, you see a play like this, kind of a train wreck, lots of stuff going on, some legal, some illegal. What do you got? I mean, what's your comment? last comment on this?
3: Well, you know, when we do one of our presentations, we talk about what's judgment. We say judgment is a combination of rule knowledge, which on several of these, especially if you're talking about the targeting, you have to understand the rule. Um, You have to understand penalty enforcement. You have to have good mechanics uh, and an awareness for where you should be focused. Um, And again, things are spread out all over this field. It's a tough play to cover. But just because it's tough, it doesn't excuse us of our responsibility. We need to do what what we just did. We need to take a play, break it down, and can we account for who should see and judge every contact and and, um, interaction that happened on that football field?
0: Right, because it's gonna, and we need to be accountable for it, absolutely. Robert. Any uh, last comments from you personally or anything coming from the, uh, the text?
4: Yeah, I'm checking the chat, and uh, I'm, not, I'm not seeing any questions from there. I think they've enjoyed the discussion. Uh, as far as for me, one, one thing that I, that I have noticed just based on uh, working the games is, you know, when we get our huddle video and we review plays, a lot of us uh, tend to go to the files or the notes that we make on our card. Uh, but I'll challenge uh, myself, my crew, and, and everyone here to challenge your crew by going to those free kick plays and seeing how you are managing them because it's, it is eye opening on, on what we thought we saw and what we actually missed. So uh, it's just a reminder. So thank you, Tim, for showing this video because that's going to be a point of emphasis uh, for our crew in this upcoming season.
0: I know. Wasn't that a great play? There's a lot of stuff going on. This is what I knew. I, I, like I, I knew we were going to talk about it for the entire hour. So I'm going to go to the uh, uh, Back to the PowerPoint here. And we're going to move on uh, to our play of the week for for this week. So we'll go back here. So here's our play of the week for this week, August 12th. We'll go wide on it. So watch the play. It's going to be a similar play, similar type question to the one we had last week. On this one, I'm going to be more specific. I want you to find how many holding fouls potentially on this play. How many holding fouls do you potentially see on this play? So we'll run it again for you. So you're going to get one more view at this. You're looking for holdings. And I say potential holdings. And the reason why I word potential is so we can discuss it. It doesn't necessarily mean it is a holding, but it could be a potential holding, a suspect holding, something to take a look at. So. That's the, uh, there's your play for this week, and, and you know, here it, here it is right now. How many potential holding fouls can you find? Zero, one, two or more. So once again, officially speak, that's where it's going to be. That's where the, the um, poll is going to be on Twitter. You can email Tim at MIBTmedia.com. If you want to get involved in the giveaways, make your comments. We'll share your comments next week on what, what you think based off of the video. And uh, YouTube, you can go back and back and forth. So how many potential holding fouls do you see? So that's it for this week. I want to thank, thank Mike. I wanna th- Mike, thank you for being here. I appreciate it.
2: Yeah, oh, it's great to be here. And I, I'm also real excited about my electronic whistle handheld.
0: Oh, uh, They are
2: available.
0: 24 dollars There you go. There you go. Uh, Bill, are you, you're still here, right, Bill? Still here. Yeah, right. can't get rid of it. So. All right, Bill. Thanks for being here today. Appreciate it. And uh, I right. want to thank uh, Robert for monitoring everything uh, remotely. Appreciate you being here as well, Robert.
4: Thank you, Tim, very much. And I enjoyed talking football tonight. Thank you to all your viewers. Have a wonderful evening. All right, everybody. We'll get Like
0: I said, we'll get this phone line fixed. Thank Alex over there. Alex did a great job tonight. Thank you, Alex. He's in the control room. So, Alex, thank you. And uh, there you are. There's Alex tonight. Um, So thanks, Alex, for being here. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch you next week right here at MIBtonline.com. Until then, so long, everybody. Thanks for listening to the MIBtonline.com podcast. Join today at MIBtonline.com. We'll catch you next time.